Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, and freedom, and everything else in between, with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. I'm Paula Favor. I'm here with Mike Blackburn, and today is Friday, December 24th, 2021. And this is, of course, uh, Christmas Eve. A uh, very festive time of year, and I hope that you are home with your family and you're enjoying your time off that's well-earned. And this is our third episode of the Pinelander Podcast, and so uh, we've... De- Decided to talk today about active shooter awareness and response issues, which is, and we may talk about other things, but that's kind of a hot topic these days. And uh, that's something we broached in our last or our previous uh, podcasts. And there's only three, so it had to be one of those. But the idea is uh, something that should be first and foremost on your mind as a God-honoring American man, and as defending your family, you know, being ready. As soon as you leave the house, uh, ready to fight to the death to defend yourself, defend your family. And that's the mindset it you should have as soon as you walk out of the door. And I, so, I hope that you certainly have that. Uh, we recently had uh, a book that we wrote. It's entitled Active Shooter Awareness Response. And if you weren't aware of that, it just came out beginning of this year and it was exciting to come out with that volume I had some help uh, from a man named Randy Butler who is a uh, law enforcement uh, uh, official out on the west coast and he was able to give me a lot of feedback on that uh, a lot of uh, sounding board uh, feedback and uh, so I just want to introduce that as a topic and uh, Mike, what do you uh, what do you think we're going to go over this podcast? Well, I think we can certainly talk about um, ASAR, which will you know the active shooter awareness and response book, um, and other current events. You yeah, know, it kind of ties into a lot of just kind of the way generally how the world is behaving these days. Yeah, I mean we've had uh, there's been a lot of high profile active shooter events that we've had recently. And that's kind of prompted Mike and I to kind of take this on as a topic. Uh, We wanted to discuss, we wanted to have a volume in your hands where you could understand kind of the phenomenon of active shooter. You know, what's, what's going on with that? Maybe a profile of an active shooter is difficult as that may be. And then look at some of the historic uh, active shooter instance in the past and then uh, compositely, you kind of have all that information, and then you take uh, our approach to it, which is called detect, deny, and defend. And I think that's a good approach. It puts you on a more of a, an aggressive standpoint, a standpoint where you are 
more actively. Uh, you're aware, right? That's the whole idea of active shooter awareness is you're actively looking for a threat. You're not just kind of zoned out in a restaurant with your face in your cell phone and someone sticks a gun in your face and you have no idea what's going on. And at that point, you just become a statistic. That's, that's the idea so that you do not find yourself in that situation. That's the whole point. So we just recently had an incident, unfortunately, uh, up in Michigan, uh, Oxford High School. Yeah. Um, where uh, three students uh, were killed. And I think the importance of this book, uh, and, and I'm a father, and there's a lot of fathers out there, but um, with my background and, and Paul's background and a lot of folks that have spent time in the, in the uniform, I mean, we have, a, we have a saying, you know, keeping your head on a swivel. Yeah. Um, so I think the importance of this book is just sort of in, introducing – those skills that have been ingrained in us uh, into the general public and making sure that our family, you know, uh, takes advantage of these things so you're not a victim, so that if you happen to be at uh, work or school or some pla- or a place of worship and somebody that's unhinged comes in, you know, hopefully you're not going to be a victim. Right. You know, hopefully you're going to you know, see an event before it happens and be able to know what to do. Absolutely. And that, that's really the stepping off point is to have situational awareness. Uh, as Mike, you said, uh, having your head on a swivel, as those in the military understand. So the book is really designed for everybody. Uh, you may not have a military background, and this will kind of give you one, if you will. And I took the idea of the color codes of retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Cooper, who was also in law enforcement, did a lot of great things in law enforcement. And he lays out levels of preparation. Uh, He has conditions white, yellow, orange, and red. And the idea in condition white, just to kind of go over those real quick, is like I said, you got your face buried in a cell phone. You are completely uh, unaware of your situation. You don't know where you are at, like you're in a booth in a restaurant where, well, where's the entrance? Where's the exit? Uh, Where can you go to barricade yourself? Where is the closest weapon that you can use? And you can find yourself kind of in that scene of Bourne identity where Jason Bourne's looking around the room and he knows, hey, you know, a fire extinguisher's on a wall over here. I can bash somebody in the head with that. Uh, I can, you know, this, that, and the other. And that's the idea. He goes from condition white to condition yellow. And then the stakes uh, at condition yellow is really, that's where you're at. You leave the house, you leave condition white. You enter condition yellow. You, you enter the food chain, if you will. And at this point, your head's on a swivel. You are not paranoid, but you're aware. That's the whole idea. Uh, and the, the idea of yellow is you can identify uh, the human terrain. You can identify behavioral uh, spikes that can kind of put you over into the orange. And, you know, orange is someone, where, and this is textbook cliche. The guy has a uh, London Fog, you know, jacket on, and it's summer, something like that. And it's like, you know, one of those trench coats. 
it just looks off-footing. The guy's sweating profusely. Yeah, he's fidgeting. It. Things like that. A lot of it, I mean, we've all been around someone who just wasn't acting right. I think that's, you know, that guy wasn't acting right. And, and yeah. we pick that up. We pick up, uh, you'll pick up when someone feels uncomfortable in their environment. You know, they don't, yeah. they don't look right. Exactly. They, they look like something's going on. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, they're getting ready to, you know, uh, inflict harm on you. But those are the things you want to pick up in the, in the, in the crowd. It's the guy or the gal that just doesn't look natural. Right. That's, that's kind of the, uh, in chapter one, is the mindset that we have. And the mindset is to look at behavioral threat indicators. Uh, and so there's an acronym that we use. Uh, a lot of acronyms you try to bring in here, but uh, one of the ones we use is the OODA loop. And it's not something that we created, but the OODA loop came from John Boyd. He was an Air Force aviator, fighter pilot extraordinaire. And it was said that he could actually, in a dogfight, go from a position of vulnerability to an attack in about 40 seconds. And uh, his claim to fame was... He was able to lay out your, your, what your mind really does naturally and just kind of tap into that. And so the idea of the OODA loop is you observe, orient, decide, act. And this, so it's a cycle. It's a, it's a decision cycle. And the idea is, uh, why I'm bringing this up is when we're aware, uh, what we want to do is... Uh, if we understand, uh, observe, is we're looking for those behavioral threats. We're actually having our head on a swivel. And then when things kind of stick out in the orient, you're like, hey, that's we orient things, and we go, that doesn't look normal, normal here. And then, of course, we have to make a decision and we act on it. And that's where we have our paradigm of detect, deny, defend. And so that's our three-part a paradigm that we that we've uh, uh, presented in the book, and I think it's very successful the way it does that. It, it builds on the success of other things. One of them is called run, hide, fight, and you know I think you can do that. You can run, hide, fight, but the idea is if you're running, you you're kind of not in the yellow. Uh, in my idea, you just kind of hear some shots. You're running, and people are hysterical. But if you are uh, detecting. Now you've kind of left of bang, if you will. And I said, uh, I think in our other podcast, uh, left of bang means the bang is the, the happening. That's the going on. That's the boom, the explosions, the gunshots. And if right of that is you're caught unaware. If you're left of bang, you're detecting it. You see it before it happens, and you take some steps to kind of get ahead of that. And uh, that's the idea of uh, the OODA loop. That's why we introduced that. And then building on that, uh, we have the uh, uh, behavioral threat indicators that we get into also. Yeah, and run, and run, hide, fight doesn't always work. I mean, yeah. That's the problem with it. I mean, if you're relying on run, hide, fight, um, you could find yourself in a really bad situation. So I think what uh, the Active Shooter Awareness and Response book does is provides you a more um, survivable option a more aggressive option. And um, I know Spock used to talk about, you know, what benefits, you know, the most people, you know, is good for the single person. And I mean, I can't remember the start. Yeah, the thing. needs of the many outweigh those the needs of, the of the few, one, right? The, the one, one. Yeah, yeah so, there you go. Um, and I think, I think with uh, 
the approach taken in in ASAR is better um, for reducing the amount of casualties and and uh, uh, injuries that you're going to have out of events like that, which is just you know attacking the, the threat, if you will, and just eliminating the threat. If you if if no one is eliminating the threat and everyone's just sitting around hiding, um, it's not going to be a good day. So yeah. I think one of the reasons why there was only three deaths at Oxford High School is because there were there was a student, yeah. I know of at least one, he was a football player. I can't think of his name right now, and I apologize for that. But he actually attacked yeah. the uh, the young man and saved a lot of lives. Yeah. Now, the guy that uh, undoubtedly, uh, I can't remember the, uh, and we'll dig that up as we're talking, I'm sure, but the guy had a gun. And he had more ammo, and had it not been for the the guy that was switched on, just just some guy in a class, mind his own business, you know, just a, an average Joe, if you will. But he saw what was going on. He took took steps to to uh, stand against evil and yeah, stop it. Put did. the kibosh on it, and that was great. Right. And that's the idea. And that's you know that's the way we raise, you know, our young men in this country, right? To do yeah. That. So uh, this book is certainly in line with that. Now, if you think. You're not going to, you know, the chance of you being in a situation like that, uh, obviously our probability is low. That's true. But mental illness in this country is a real thing. And I've never been too happy about the level of care that we give the mentally ill in this country personally. Um, I think we could do a lot better. Uh, But there's a lot of kids out there. There's a lot of grownups out there that are not getting the type of treatment that they need. And we're running into more and more of them all the time. Yeah. And I think I'm glad you brought that up because uh, one of the critical issues that we broach in this volume of active shooter awareness response is uh, the when we look at a profile of the active shooter, uh, we there's not a one for one correlation between mental illness and these people that are perpetrating this. Uh, these are people that uh, aren't getting the help they need, as you say. But that necess- not necessarily translates into somebody mental ill being uh, dangerous. No. Yeah. And then uh, and so that's that's important that we and we make that point in the book, and we just want to make sure that you're not mishearing uh, what we're saying. Uh, but the but decided those people, and in uh, over majority of the cases, they were off their meds. That's right. They had mental problems. They were not being taken care of. Uh, by, uh, you know, responsibilities on themselves and others, and it ended badly. And that's, that's absolutely something that we need to confront and not just, just sweep that under the rug. That's, that's, a, that's an issue we need to take care of. Now, one, one of the biggest issues that I think faces um, people that deal with the mentally ill is, is the fact that they do quite often come off their meds. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of goes like this. I'm taking my meds and I feel great. Yeah. I feel normal. Why do I need the meds? Yeah. And, you know, so you come off the meds because you are normal, because you're acting, you know, normal and you don't feel like you need them anymore. And when you come off the meds, then now you're not in a situation where you recognize that you probably need to get back on the meds because you've already, you know, gone too far. So that happens. Um, And any of us that have um, had family members that are mentally ill, yeah. This. We, we know this sort of paradigm. There's, uh, there's also an, um, an aspect of the book that we have in Chapter 2. It talks about common threat characteristics. And what we highlight is there's a, a over 70% uh, 
of the active shooters kind of fall into several categories. And one of them is they're just disgruntled employees. You know, they're probably uh, 30 to 40 something year old. Uh, a lot of them have prior military service. Uh, they live alone. Uh, they have mental problems uh, or they're antisocial, antipersonal, anti, uh, antisocial personality disorders. And so they have uh, a, an issue and they, if, it's like the world is against them, you know, type of that, that instant, that uh, kind of where they're at in their minds, you know, and the, the one I, I think about is the, the Craddock, uh, the guy in Vegas uh, in, uh, back in 2019. And, you know, how terrible that was that, uh, you know, with the uh, amount of firearms that were discharged out of that window of the hotel and then the field and, uh, you know, those victims down there. So hearts and uh, minds go out to you guys, our prayers for those families. And, and that's the idea is we want to, uh, that's a tough one, you know, how to, how to uh, circumvent things like that. Uh, but I, there's a way to do that. I mean, we're working towards that. But that the I, my whole point there is, these people that uh, they could be paranoid, uh, delusional, uh, they could have uh, particular intended victims in mind, uh, you know, family members. They could have a hit list, something like that. And uh, but there's some different factors. The, the whole point of my discussion here is, you don't have uh, a 100 percent. Uh, this is what an active shooter looks like. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're just not in, you know, we don't live in Pleasantville anymore. Yeah. And so I think the book really is a recon, recognition of the fact that the, the world has changed a little bit. It's a little more dangerous. Yeah. Um, and don't be a victim. Just have your head on a swivel. Be alert um, and be prepared. And that way, uh, a lot of it has to just do with your behavior and your positioning the way you going, the way you're going about your activity, will make you safer. Yeah, and then of course, God forbid, if if uh, you do find yourself in a situation, how how to react because you kind of have a plan. Yeah, and uh, you know something that we also that we're about is uh, you know we, we talk about faith, family, food, uh, freedom. We talk about firearms too. So there's an inalienable right as Americans uh, in the Second Amendment. And that is that we have a right to bear arms. And so this book uh, could trigger someone, you know, uh, pun intended, if they are anti-Second Amendment. But this is decidedly unapologetic in its stance uh, uh, for the Second Amendment. You know, the right to bear arms, right to defend your life. Uh, it's a very American. And so when you, when you read it, uh, that's what it should buttress that. I mean, we hope that... Uh, that's where you're at. Uh, maybe we can sell you on that. On that. On yeah, that and I think there's certainly people um, that I can think of that probably should not have a firearm in their hand. Uh, so it's, it's it, you know it's not for everybody. You know, Alec Baldwin is probably one personality that comes to mind. Yeah, but there's some people that are just you know you they're just not the firearms kind of people. But yeah. if you're you know able-bodied and in right and in your right mind uh, you probably have a responsibility as an American to at least be familiar <coughs> with firearms yeah uh, I don't think I don't think there's I don't know of anybody that uh, is trying to force a firearm into somebody's hands but 
So, it's, you know, this book is not telling you you need to go out and buy a gun by no means, but um, let, let's face it, uh, it's a great equalizer. If you're a five foot, you know, two, 110 pound female, yeah, that is an equalizer, okay? Yeah. Having a firearm. So, um, and if you're, you know, there's a lot of situations where firearms are a, a benefit uh, to people and, situations you know you just uh, it will save your life yeah and absolutely one of the aspects of the book is the way we wrote it is uh, it's for actual awareness response at businesses schools churches uh, and churches and places of worship Uh, and so one of the things we talked about in our previous podcast was not everybody is a just war theorist so not every Christian believes in the Second Amendment. That's okay. You know, like you said, not everybody is a Samson. So some people are conscientious objectors. I found this out uh, last time we had a meeting at church, and we we're t- discussing these matters of active shooter awareness response. It was a very sensitive issue, and it gets people kind of spun up. It's very, it's, uh, it, it, the topic really scares people. But you have to have this discussion. You have to have this as a pastor, as a leader in your church, deacons, elders. You really need to do this because it's respons- It's irresponsible not to. You need to have a, a plan in place. Uh, we also have ways we can help you uh, at on our website. If you contact us, the podcast, uh, there's you can if you reach out to us. There's some tools we can have in addition to this book. Uh, we can get in a conversation with you, kind of how to use the book and how to work that forward. But on the on the church, so first thing in my brain, as soon as we hear active shooter awareness and response, first thing I think of is the First Baptist Church of Southern Springs. It's back in November 5th, 2017. Uh, there was a man that uh, was distraught, a distraught young man. He had uh, uh, kind of fit that profile of the active shooter, had some military service, he was mentally unstable, had some difficulties taking his medications, he was able to find a firearm, and he found his way to a church, and unfortunately, the people were inside, and the good thing about the story is I believe he could have killed a lot more people had it not been for uh, a man named Stephen Williford, who was able to um, grab his carbine and run to the sound of the guns and uh, eliminate the threat and eliminated the threat. Yeah. The guy was coming out uh, and he's, uh, he had the training that he had. He was able to eliminate the threat. There was a little bit of a chase involved, but uh, this guy, this model American God fearing man uh, didn't stop until he knew the threat was eliminated and he did it righteously. He did it legally and I believe that is an excellent example that we are given as Americans of how to stop the threat. And um, there's so many other examples, but that one just sticks out into my mind, how deadly it can be. This guy that entered the church, I mean, in a matter of uh, seconds, I think he claimed something like, uh, I believe it was upwards of over a dozen lives just taken. Yeah, 911 is not going to help you in that situation. Yeah. I mean, the, the police are not equipped to, um, you know, prevent that type of situation from happening. That uh, It is unrealistic to think that 
police officer is going to be able to show up in a timely manner and and save lives. Yeah, you know that's that's a cleanup operation. Yeah, uh, another one that comes to mind is uh, what happened out in Colorado, the New Life Church back in two thousand seven. Uh, there was a twenty four year old young man. He was uh, kind of a loner, had some a uh, lot of trouble fitting in socially. So again, fit the profile a little bit. Had some mental instability. Uh, he was able to find his way to a church, actually two locations in his shooting, kind of had a vendetta against the church uh, that he felt slighted. So it's, you know, a lot of mental instability there. The good thing is uh, he was met uh, by uh, a security officer there who was able uh, to take care of the business. Uh, the guy just is waltzing into I mean, we're talking a thousand-person church here. Uh, he goes in the parking parking lot. Uh, he shoots a couple of people. Enters the church, uh, and as he does, he's met and uh, uh, Janine uh, Assam was able, a former police officer, was able to eliminate the threat before he was able to go into the double doors into the sanctuary and do God knows what. So, you know, uh, God bless you, Janine, for. Um, uh, for doing that, I think that is that's what we need. We need. I mean, just think of all the kids in there, pregnant women, uh, you know, uh, innocent people that could be slaughtered by someone who has got a demonic, you know, mindset. And so this is this is really what we're doing. Is uh, the idea is to uh, confront evil, yeah, and get off the fence, confront evil, because if you don't take a stand, you're all the sheep are going to be waylaid. That's just how it's going to end. That's the idea. Yeah, I think we have too much of a sit around and, and think someone else is going to take care of the problem. Exactly. Um, we, we really need to get away from that mindset and start taking some personal responsibility for our lives, our safety, yeah. our communities, our schools. I mean, we can go on and on. This is just one one step in that, just the one piece of that absolutely the uh i mean so the what really needs to happen is you need to have a security team your church i'm using this as an example the church needs to have a, a security team it needs to have an alert plan a lockdown plan uh, it needs to have an evacuation plan it needs to have a plan in place uh to take the fight to the enemy so that uh, you can defend the, the defenseless inside the church and, uh, and that is actually your right. You have a right to self-defense that's protected by uh, our laws. Uh, under U.S. law, you can act in self-defense. And so what I'm really talking about here is your deacons. Your deacons, your ushers, those, uh, you need to have a security plan in place. So as a pastor, you need to think that through. A lot of churches, you know, have been proactive um, you know they've got they have a plan in place yeah. now. If if you're in a really good ones, if yeah, if you're in, if you're at a church, if you're a church, you know I would ask. I mean that's you know I would ask what is the plan? Do we have yeah. a plan? Um, if if your church doesn't have a plan yet, you, you know you need to encourage um, you know the leadership to get one, and, and to have to sit down and really figure it out. I know what, what Paul and I have done as far as Blacksmith Publishing is we've actually um, handed out our books. You know no cost. Yep. Uh, primarily to parochial schools, uh, a lot of the private uh, Christian uh, schools and what have you in our area, because uh, we have quite a few of them. Um, 
and to some of the larger churches um, just to try to get them going. You know, how many of the, how many of them are, you know, sat down and actually put a plan in place? I, I hope all of them, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But we're, we're certainly trying to take care of our communities. We've also uh, provided free copies to the Sheriff's Department here, the County Sheriff's Department, uh, and the because they're in charge of uh, school school security in our county is the Sheriff's Department. Um, but we've provided copies also to the, uh, the police department, the city police department as well. So. Um, everybody, every community really needs to talk about this this topic and and try to devise some some plans and some some training uh, to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a nice, it's not a pleasant topic, but it uh, as responsible adults, as leaders, you know, in our, in our communities, in our churches, in our businesses, we have to have this discussion. Uh, and I think one of the other uh, instances that we showcase is something that happened in uh, Texas back in 2019, just before we pinned this, uh, at the end of the year, it, it was at West Freeway Church of Christ. The the deacons, they were actually the, the security team of the church, led by Jack Wilson, Tony Wallace, and Richard White, uh, they were actually able to stop an active shooter incident, um, in, in a sense, from, from this, this man just going big, on the sanctuary. Uh, unfortunately, Tony Wallace and Richard White lost their, their uh, lives, but they did give their lives uh, for the congregation. And, uh, but the, again, um, we kind of have a profile here, even though we said we don't, but again, it's a, a white middle-aged male, uh, disgruntled, um, somebody battling some demons and kind of taking his, personal vendetta to the church. And so a lot of these uh, at the churches that I've seen, they're kind of, they know the people at the church. So they know somebody at the church. They've already communicated a threat and they, they want to kind of get back at some people. And that's kind of what we had with the gunman. And uh, there were some 240 people inside that church that day. Uh, and the guy was, uh, he was armed to bear. And so, forbear and so he could have uh made a lot of i mean a lot of people into their lives that day had it not been for those guys who uh being proactive yeah being proactive and uh fulfilling that scripture you know greater love have no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends those guys weren't running and hiding yeah yeah they they actually they saw the guy before he could actually turn the gun on the people in the church and as they did that as they closed on the guy unfortunately lost their lives but uh uh, Jack Wilson was able to uh, eliminate the threat. And uh, so, hey, hats off to you guys, uh, model Americans, God-fearing men that did that. And that's that's kind of the model. Hopefully we could stop it before anyone is injured, but that's at least the idea of uh, what could happen to stop something from being absolutely catastrophic. So I'm glad to hear things like that. And then uh, other parts of the book are aspects like very practical aspects like, okay, now the the incident has happened. Uh, You have detected, denied, defend. And so it talks through other aspects of, okay, where can you go uh, in your evacuation plan to a kind of a hardened part of the building where you can evacuate uh, and then other aspects of that. But let's just say that you actually have someone that has been hit 
that's the idea we have in one of the chapters on stopping the bleeding. And so we've using, uh, we use tried and true techniques that's been developed by the military, the Tactical Combat Casualty Care, TCCC uh, foundational uh, method. And so we've combined uh, the uh, civilian and military aspects of, you know, what would you actually have out there? But we use care under fire and because that's really what you're doing. It's the priority of security, returning fire, and then getting the wounded person to a place where you can actually apply, uh, you know, care. And I know that you're a, Mike, you're a special forces medic, so I know you could talk a lot about that more, but that's really what that uh, chapter is about. It's kind of give you the tools you need to think along those lines and, and think about what you can use to stop the bleeding. Not, not only that, but maybe having some first aid kits available in parts of uh, your building and your church. Maybe it's time to look at those first aid kits that have been on the wall for a few decades and kind of seeing what's in there. And, yeah, open them up. Yeah, and then seeing what you can, and maybe give some classes. And the positioning, uh, where you know where they're located, can I get to it? Um, yeah. You know, no matter where you're at, uh, if you need to get a hold of the first aid kit, you should be able to get to it. So, yeah, it's, it's part of that, too. Um, in situations like this, it's uncommon uh, for everyone to come out unscathed. I mean, you may have someone may get yeah. hit. Uh, but then... You know, there's a next step, which is just because you've been shot doesn't mean you need to die. Okay, so yeah. you know, people need to you know jump on that and, and have a uh, sort of a methodology on on stopping the bleeding and, and taking care of uh, you know your your injured. Yeah, I mean that's and this is stuff that everybody needs to know. You know, you I think that you should probably have someone in your security team that's maybe. Uh, earmarked to be like a you know a medic per se but like everybody needs to have this basic this basic skill you know everybody should be able to stop the bleeding like a hasty tourniquet uh, apply pressure dressing stuff like that and and uh, uh, and then you know the, uh, the the basic TCCC steps everybody should know that because you could be the person on the spot uh, where it's a matter of life and death that you can save someone's life. It could be stopping the bleeding to stopping, you know, uh, their life from ending. So the idea of the TCCC is just something that, like I was saying, you just, it's not just for the medic. You know, everybody needs to know that. Yeah, absolutely. Other parts of the, the book uh, after, is basically when the law enforcement arrive. Law enforcement... Uh, the EMS, and then what you're what you really need to think about. And the big thing is when the arrival of the law enforcement get there is don't look like a threat. So you really don't want to have a gun in your hand. Yeah, they're amped up. They're, yes. they're, they're responding. You know, the adrenaline's going. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you just, you just want to be non-threatening and out of yeah. the way. Yes. So kind of out of where they would normally enter, uh, you want to identify yourself as, as uh, soon as possible. Uh, not necessarily throwing your gun away, but you just don't want to be standing up with your gun in your hand because that could they could get confused. Yeah. And uh, and as a guy that has done this, I, I can tell you it, it can be very confusing when you're flowing in a building and you you don't know what's going on. You could look like the bad guy real real quick. But what you would want to say basically as the book goes through is 
you know, um, hey, where is the active shooter? Uh, you know, where, how many, uh, is there somebody injured? You know, where are they? Things like that. And so you want to direct the law enforcement to the active threat. They need to know where that is and how many are there and things of that nature. And that, that's so that they can eliminate the threat and then uh, kind of deescalate the situation. And so uh, the other thing we look at it with the EMS get there is you're, you're basically, you have preserved the person's life. And then once EMS gets there, you kind of just need to just, you know, get out of the way and let them swoop in and take care of things. So you're just kind of facilitating at that point. Uh, so you can kind of think in minds of, you know, will they be able to get in here and get out of here and get the, the wounded person out? So those are great things. And then something that uh, I looked at other books on this and I didn't see it and I wanted to add this and that's the post-incident yeah. type of stuff. So it's just not over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. So once the, the gun battle is over, you know, the body keeps the score, that's as right. they say. And so there's going to be a lot of trauma. Uh, there's going to be people that need counseling. There's going to be some healing that's going to need to happen. And so uh, we kind of talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, how that uh, it's a very real, it's a very real thing. A lot of our vets uh, struggle with that. They go through a traumatic situation and they kind of relive that or they become hyper vigilant. Uh, they have uh, dreams where they're kind of, they kind of hold on to some of those demons. And so, the whole idea is once it's done, it's not done. You need to deal with this situation. Yeah, and there's some time, too. You're also going to want to sort of have what, you know, an after-action review. Um, so in the event that you have another like or similar incident, you know, you learn from every incident. And, uh, you know, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What can we do better? Yeah. And really, um, you know, try to have as many of those type of, events prior to the incident, uh, troubleshoot, a war game, some of these things. And uh, so you're, you're at your best, you're at your best prepared level if in the event that, uh, that something like this happens. But yeah, you're going to want to do that too. You don't want to kind of like, you know, revisit it and kind of see, you know, how did everyone yeah, do? Absolutely. So that's, that's kind of where we end this whole thing is what we call in the military a threat vulnerability assessment. And uh, so we have uh, the last chapter is really about a comprehensive security plan. And so we have an acronym in there. It's PLAN. Uh, you'll have to get the book to discover that. Uh, but basically, uh, it will help you develop a strategy that's, that really kind of covers all the bases for your place of business, uh, your school, uh, your church, uh, wherever it is that is that you want to apply that. And uh, kind of looks at everything from start to finish, covering all the, all the checks and uh, all the blocks that you check, and then so that you've kind of put your best foot forward. So that's what we hope that this volume will do. Well, you, you know, you brought up something I just wanted to ask your opinion. Um, having had some, you know, some instruction and some some education in this, in this area, but it's always been my uh, thoughts that a lot of the post-traumatic stress is also brought on by the lack of preparation beforehand. Yeah. So I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is if you're if you're if you're training hard, if you have an excellent plan, let's just say at your church, okay, you have a plan, you've talked about it with the congregation, you may have even war gamed a couple of situations. 
it seems to me that the congregation is better prepared mentally to handle the situation yeah. post-event because of the sort of preparation and the time that they've had to sort of think about this and how they would react yeah. rather than kind of going into the incident cold. Yeah, and I absolutely. don't know if that... If that that absolutely resonates, and I think that does help because that does help. That helps us as soldiers. I mean, when we were put uh, in a position where our leader said, "I intend to put us in harm's way. We're going to go into battle." We some of us may not come back, and we get the mindset that, "Hey, uh, we're at war." And then you know what better way to to finish our podcast than to just remember that that. There are forces that want to bring us down, our way of life down, our godly living down. Uh, There's another aspect of this, too, that most people don't think about. You can't, they can't put it under their microscopes, and that's the spiritual aspect that's behind all of this evil. There's a supernatural evil, I believe, that motivates a lot of these people to do these things, to destroy our way of life, to destroy our ability to meet in a building, uh, to open the Word of God, to worship together, to to have just businesses that are free. You know, that's an American way of living, just to have free market capitalism, you know, and just have a flourishing economy, just to shut that down or go out to dinner with your family and just enjoy your life and enjoy your family. And, and there's an aspect, I think, a spiritual element that just wants to take that out. And so, uh, you know, to having your mind prep that, hey, uh, we're at war. You know, as soon as I leave the house, I think we started the podcast this way. As soon as I put my, you know, my clothes on, I've got, I've got you know, everything I needed for the day. I walk out of the door, then I have to be ready to fight to the death. And I think if we get there, that's kind of where we used to be in the old school methodology, that you have to be able to fight to defend your family. You just need to be a one-man PSD. And I think uh, if we have that mindset, we'll be in a good place. So this has been a great podcast. I hope that you'll pick up the book. I hope that will bless you and your family, your church, your business. And uh, we look to hear from you guys, as always, uh, on the Pinelander. You can go ahead and reach out to us and give us your comments or your questions, and we'd love to hear from you. Pinelander.com. And until uh, next week, have a great have a great. Uh... Yeah, Merry Christmas. Have a great Christmas. Thank you.